Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I'm Tim. And I'm Marshall. And I'm, yes, I am drinking a hot chocolate. Yeah. You asked and I, I noticed thought, it was. this is a story that everyone wants to hear. It is. I went to make a coffee. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any, so I made a hot chocolate. There's instant coffee, but you refused to drink it. So. I went to make a coffee and there wasn't any. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's nice. Hot chocolate. Mm. 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 Now I'm thinking if I could, now that I know that we have hot chocolate here at the church, if I could do like half and half between that and instant coffee. That's fancy. And make a mocha. That's fancy. I know. Except it would be instant coffee, instead. Of, so it would be a maca mocha. <laughs> a mock mo- a maca. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Coffee aside. Mm-hmm. Man, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. We never do catch-up stuff because we always talk. Yeah. But these last two weeks mm-hmm. have just been chaos. Yeah. Yeah, they have. Which uh, is why you're getting your podcast late today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing I'm doing good. There's, you know, there the way ministry works. There's the stuff that people see. There's the stuff that people don't see. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to write a sermon anyway? Oh my goodness, don't even start with that me. question. Oh. That's the question. <sighs> you know what? I spend 40 hours a week writing my sermon. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's uh, sometimes it's the the things behind the scene that take up more time than you would think. So, oh yeah. Anyways, yep, yep, been, yep. been one of those. It has been. Uh, I, I'm holding the yeah, intro card. I'm, like, I'm going to read that. We're not going to read that. I thought you were just like closing the episode. Like we're done. Yeah. <laughs> we're not done. So, so today we're going to be talking about, uh, we, we said last time we've moved into a bit of, uh, a transition where we're going to start answering some questions mm-hmm. that are thrown to Christians or, or challenges and corrections that are thrown to Christians. Mm-hmm. In doing that, I noticed that in our notes, we kind of flip that more toward a Christian perspective that needs to be answered. Right. Even right. in the way we wrote it, right? Hmm. So let me let me do a, a little bit of this. Starting from the flip side. What does the world say about how things came to be as we know them? Mm-hmm. Right, not how they came to be. That's more what we talked about last week, Big Bang, and that sort of issue there. But the the question of how did how did they come to be the way that they are? Mm. And so, I we literally just like ran into the room together and sat down. Right, this is the right, stuff right. we should have talked about. Before. Yeah, no, that's okay. No, I, I'm good. So it might be the end of your notes. No, no, no. starting at the back of your notes and moving forward. Mm. No, you wanted to start with. How the world, see, yeah. So I think I think the the, and this kind of piggybacks right off of what we talked about last week. But the 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 secular world, at least, would would look at how things have come to be the way that they are, as uh, not only just a significant amount of time and a significant amount of chance, which mm-hmm. are both things that we're we're going to address right as we go along. But the the operation of certain forces. Mm-hmm. Um, certain certain forces of, of, of physics in particular that have just acted upon all that matter 
that somehow existed after the Big Bang to create the universe as we know it. Right. So, so there, not only is it just, you know, that, that stuff exploded, but because things work the way that they do, here we are today with, you know, with an ordered universe, a universe that's capable of producing life, a universe that is hospitable for yeah. people like you and me. Who would have guessed? Whoa. Yeah, I know. A, a couple of things that I would that I would add to that. Mm. I, um, not anything that I would change, but two things that I would add. One, I uh, yes, significant amounts of time and chance, but also significant amount of space. Yeah. When we get into multiverse theories, well, that's yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really significant. <laughs> uh, and and the other thing I would add is, I have seen people say the. The world is not as ordered as you would think it is. Like at molecular levels, there is random patterns of behavior. I just want to start with this one and say, sometimes people say at the molecular level as a way of saying at levels that I might have studied a little bit and you probably have not. So you're mm. going to have to take my word for it. Um which is sort of like a shutdown thing. How are you going to argue with a physicist when he says at the molecular level? Right. Uh, right. I, I think we can from a pattern of logic mm -hmm. that I would say because things are observably ordered beyond the molecular level, we'll, we'll talk into what levels of that order come later. Sure. Um, we can assume that maybe what you're measuring as chaos is not random chaos mm -hmm. because you can't have order from chaos. Right. And so you can't have order within the observable world if there is chaos at the unobservable world. Right. It yeah. might just be that what you're calling randomization is just an algorithm you haven't put into a box yet or haven't <laughs> charted yet, right? Well, well and the idea of, of chaos implies that there is an order, right? Like it, it, right? Like you can't, you can't really even even begin to describe what chaos is if you can't describe. If you can't start from order, order right? right. Yeah. And and it also undoes the science. Un, undoes. Undoes. Oh my goodness. Undoes. It's okay. You're it good. undoes You're the scientific process at entirely. Sure. Like someone who wants to say the world is not as ordered as you would think it is at the molecular level, hmm. be like, okay, well then you have to do away with the scientific process mm -hmm. because you're asking for repeatability mm. as your statement of fact and your proof of concept. But this is just chance because of chaos going on at a minor molecular level. This is not proof. Right. Like your entire, like you have nothing to stand on. You can't go to bed at night knowing the sun will rise in the morning. If it's true that we have chaos and randomization, at the molecular level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I, I think that's good. So I, I throw that out there. Do you have multiverse stuff? Yeah, I do. For this week? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. But later. Okay. Um, yeah, because I think I think what we're going to talk about today, big umbrella statement, is something that is maybe not su as surprising to Christians or theists, those who believe in a designer, mm -hmm. but something that has, um, even amongst secular physicists and others, has uh, surprised them as they've dug deep into this whole origins of the universe and why things are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, that we might refer to as the fine-tuning of the universe. 
And in this this fine-tuning question and what we're going to talk about has a lot to do with numbers and math, which admittedly, for me anyways, is not my strong suit. I took physics in high school, and that was enough for me to know. I passed the class, but it was enough for me to know, yeah, I want nothing to do with this. this mm-hmm. is, and I w- it was lean more to the humanities. I was like, no, nah, let's do sociology and history and that sort of thing. The law, that's, that's, my, that's my jam. However, um, I think this is going to be hopefully a helpful conversation for, for our listeners to understand a little bit about how, how it is the universe works and how it operates. Are you going to explain quantum physics? I'm not going to explain okay. quantum physics because I can't explain quantum physics. I can barely define quantum physics. But what, I, but what people need to understand is that there are what we might call magic numbers of physics. Magic, magic numbers of physics. These are, these are certain numbers or, or, or really equations um, that scientists use, physicists use, to understand how these foundational forces of the universe operate. Um, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Feynman who in the 1940s uh, discovered something called the fine construct const- constant. So this is a, a constant... Um, ratio that exists within the relationship between um, the, 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 the mass of different building blocks. It was essentially one divided by 137. And this is kind of this number is this odd kind of thing that is an essential part. And it's actually just one. Um, the, the fine structure constant is actually just one of a number of these uh, mathematical formulas or or laws or constants that operate that the universe mm-hmm. operates on mm-hmm. right and it's full like the universe is full of these constants of nature right some some that we'll be more familiar with it's like the speed of light but there's there's but there's many others yeah right? it's measurable it's that speed every time yeah that's what the speed of light is right, right? gravity Gravity's, 9.8 meters per second squared yeah. minus whatever air resistance there is, sure. 9.8 meters per second squared. Yeah. So stuff like that is going to be foundational to understanding how our universe operates. Um, and so there's these like central numbers and central uh, ratios and and, and uh, constants. Constants is really kind of the word that, that I want to kind of get across. These mm-hmm. things that are, that are always the way they are what they are throughout the universe as far as we can tell. Anyways. Um, there's laws of electromagnetic force, right? Or gravity, like you just said. These, these certain laws of, okay, this is how, like, we can measure how these forces operate in the universe. And, and so astrophysicists have used these laws to try and understand how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's this, well, there's this complexity. There's a complexity of the laws of physics, something that kind of... I guess we need to kind of keep in mind as we think about these things is that, you know, we have this universe to examine. This is the universe we examine. Sure. Right. Right. And so while we're going to get into this multiverse thing that you mentioned, and I, you know, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. The reality is that like, it's purely hypothetical and we can just kind of go on what we can go on and what we can go on is what right. we have before us. Cause, cause just as a dip, dipping our toe into the multiverse thing, Whatever the multiverse might offer as a hypothetical, the most likely of those hypotheticals is the universe we're in. 
Mm. Yeah. Right. So we have to measure this one. It's the only real one or the only one that we know is real anyway. Right. Um, yeah. And so like the, the mindset, like the, the, you know, as I was kind of looking into this, some of the things that were kind of said by, by, by people who understand the universe in, in, in a very naturalistic way, um, who, you know, who don't kind of really see any why or any real purpose behind the universe would, you know, they would say that we're cosmological bystanders. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we're even able to like recognize these things like these constants in physics, um, the laws of gravity and these things that we can measure and, and, and understand is, you know, we're just bystanders. Like we're just like, Oh, we just happen to be here, Mm -hmm. happen to be able to witness it. You know, aren't we lucky, whatever. Um, Others would would point to, you know, that, you know, we're very fortunate because we exist within a, a window of time, a golden age of habitability in the universe. So aren't we fortunate that yeah. because things are the way that we are, we're able to exist? Right. In the beginning, there would have been too much energy. Mm-hmm. Later, that energy will, because mass energy decays in half-lives, mm-hmm. that will, there will not be enough energy but mm-hmm. for for a moment, this parenthetical situation that we're in, yeah, provides for life. A window of opportunity of existence, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so there, there's these different there, there's these different principles and and things that are kind of considered. There was a an Australian astrophysicist by the name of Dr. Carter who who coined the anthropic principle, and the idea is that like, you know we are so fortunate or we are so lucky that things are the way they are because if they weren't the way that they were, we couldn't be here. Chaos. Yeah. Right. Everything else is chaos. There's this narrow, but, but we are, we're fortunate. We're lucky because it just so happens that the way that things are is suitable for us to be who we are and do the things that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And this, but the question then becomes, what would life in our universe look like if the quote-unquote rules of the universe were just a little bit different? Sure. Right? Um, so, so, so the question becomes, okay, so if things, if things are different, what would it look like? And this is something that um, people have, have kind of used different systems to do. So, so, for example, they've used computers to create these synthetic or artificial universes that are created through these computer programs, right? And as computers become more and more powerful, they're able to create these kind of hypothetical universes. Um, I, I hope it's the one where you can choose the different kind of vehicles and you could put them on different planets and you can drive them around and off of cliffs and watch what would happen. <laughs> this is like video game stuff here. Yeah, yeah. because that is a video game it is an actual level <laughs> of the actual things they're using. It right? is. Yeah, so so trying to answer how, how things like matter or galaxies, even planets could form um, but here's the thing that we find when, when, when they're running these programs, when these programs are run with adjustments. So what if the laws of nature that we find in the universe, um, were a little bit different? Well, what we often find most, most normally when they kind of tweak the, those laws, things of laws of gravity or electromagnetic force or the various constants is that the universes have end up having no real form whatsoever. In most, there's there's in these hypothetical universes. There's no galaxies, no stars, no planets. Um, 
In others, they might have some kind of stars, but no real complexity, no variety of, of elements that we see on like the periodic table. Mm -hmm. There's no building blocks for life in any of these, these trial runs that they're doing through, through computers, right? Um, because like if electrons had a little bit more mass, then atoms wouldn't be able to bond together and everything would just be gas. There'd be no molecules, no solids, there'd be nothing. Right, so that's that's kind of one one right. thing. If gravity was weaker, um, then everything in the universe would just kind of drift away, and nothing could form, and there would be there would just be there'd be no kind of um, solid matter. No, there 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 would be nothing for for things to grow on. The bond, yeah, yeah. But if gravity was just a little bit, and I'm t when I say just a little bit, I mean on a knife's edge. If it was just a little bit stronger everything would collapse into black holes and the universe would cease to exist, mm -hmm. period. Yeah, things things can go really wrong really fast. Yeah. With just the smallest of... And, and, and when you say, like, a knife's edge, like, even that is a, a bit of an... on the gracious side, because oh, we're yeah. talking, like, multiple zeros behind the decimal point before we even get to a number. Yeah. Like like by by a degree of one you know one one billionth 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 of a degree like it's it's right. wild how, right. how specific these things have to be and at this point this is where you start talking about um, the difference between uh, does that does that leave open the door for probability mm. or does it insist upon a designer right 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 and. Because of my age and because of my humor, I just hear that beloved Canadian actor going, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, because, and, and the reason, it's actually valuable here because the reason that we laugh at that joke, the reason that that's a favorite part of the movie is because we all understand that what she's saying is... There's no chance. Right. It's right. not going to happen. And even before she says it, we all know it's not going to happen. Right. Right? But she leaves this minuscule door open just in the just in rhetoric, mm -hmm. not in actual. She didn't sit down with a, her old TI-85 and work <laughs> up probabilities, right? Yeah. Uh, but just in that, he's able to go, the answer that I wanted exists within some realm of probability right. so it exists right and and that's why some of these ridiculously small numbers mm -hmm. when it comes to probabilities mm -hmm. are still thrown forward as you see yeah you see the answer we wanted does exist even if it's in the realm of probabilities that in a scientific process they would say that is improbable mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like what we also need to understand too, is when we talk about these, these knife edges that, you know, is uh, still too generous a, a term, uh, but these minuscule chances of things being the way they are, there's also, th those things are compounded because there's also a series of all of these things right. that need to be working together right. at the same time in the same relation to one another for all of this to exist. Mm -hmm. So, so like it is... It, the likelihood, the mathematical likelihood of this is just wild. And so the more that they're creating these 
these hypothetical universes in these computer programs, what we're realizing is that our universe is the exception. Yeah. It, it, without question, right? That, that any kind of deviation from, from what it is that we have um, would not result in a place where life could, could happen, right? If any of these constants, and there's dozens of them, mm-hmm. were changed by even a hair's breadth, no life. It's impossible. Yeah. And, and so I think this is what people need to understand is the extreme degree of precision required. Um, and that, that has to do with the laws of the universe. Also has to do more specifically with the placement of our planet within its solar system and that solar system mm-hmm. within its galaxy and everything else. But like, this is a degree of precision beyond anything that we could understand and experience. Right. And not only, not only a degree of precision, but precision on mass, right? Mm-hmm. When the further, I, pastor famous for this at the moment, I can't think of his name, but he loves examining the size of the universe and these NASA photos. A Louis Giglio? Giglio. Uh, whatever. With where you stand with Giglio, I don't care. Um, on this particular point, mm-hmm. it this, the, the point stands, right? His thing is that people love to show you these crazy photos of space and then show you how insignificant Earth is. And say, do you really think that we're the only place where this can happen? And Giglio's perspective is really mind-boggling and life-changing in this. To say, you're looking at it from the wrong direction. The point isn't to say, in all of this, look how significant we are on Earth. The point of it is to, for us to be standing on Earth looking out, saying, look how big God is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and so to say... All of this precision, because we're going to talk even more about this in the future, about like precision in life, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a next level beyond even just the structures, the foundational structures of the universe. But when we look at this and we just see that not only does this exist in a solar system, it exists in a galaxy and then multiple galaxies together forming this these clusters of galaxies. And then all of this constructing into a universe that is measurable and predictable that we can name all of these things. And, and even though we might not be finding life on other planets, we're finding a lot of things that make sense to us. We're finding mm-hmm. gravitational pulls. We're finding the force on dust of foreign planets is, is mm-hmm. affected by winds, which are affected by temperatures mm-hmm. shifting in the same way that they are here. Right. And, and so it has there been life on other planets? No, but all of the other elements of a non-living world Mm-hmm. are showing themselves in these high-level observable things mm-hmm. that are so fine-tuned on such a mind-boggling scale. Oh, yeah. That we, we got to talk now about how the world tries to explain these things. Right. Well, how do they get to it? Well, I, f- I, found, I found some interesting, an interesting quote by Stephen Hawking, who was a famous um, atheistic... Um, astrophysicist and, and brilliant, brilliant mind. Uh, he, was an, he was an atheist. He's not an atheist anymore. Um, the remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable how it seems like this was the case. Yeah. He certainly wouldn't go so far as to say that it was the case. Right. People 
atheists and agnostics are surprised genuinely surprised the, the 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 leading the leading thinkers who examine these laws of the universe are genuinely surprised at how fine-tuned things are this is mathematically unlikely to an exponential degree mm-hmm. and so what what they what what's what we kind of come to are three three real um potential explanations for why the universe is the way that it is. Either it's necessary Mm -hmm. or it's just by chance or finally it is by design. Those are, if we're going to group the three major ways of explaining why the universe is the way that it is, these are, these are the three. So the first one is that they're necessary. Uh, Just the laws of the universe have to be this way. Right, which because, because that's what it is. Because that's what it is. Um, a universe that see, the idea is that well, a uni- you know we're we're living yes we're alive, but a universe that couldn't produce this kind of life is impossible. Well, that actually kind of falls flat, right? And actually, kind of for the reason, <laughs> for the same reason, that something we've already talked about is that the idea is that you know scientists have have tried to use you know again. Our, our, our computing um, capabilities are expanding rapidly, still limited, but in all of these kind of experiments of what a universe might look like in different ways and forms, the lifeless universe is is the most likely scenario. Right, and, and I, think, I think the argument for it's necessary that a universe that's not just like this one is a universe that doesn't exist throws us back all the way to the very beginning of the year when I said my number one question, my number one question when people want to say there is no designer in the world, there is no God. Mm-hmm. My number one question is why is there something instead of nothing? Mm-hmm. Like we can we can set all of the other things down if we want to go back to a root question, a singular root question. Why is there something instead of nothing? And if the argument is it just has to be, then I would say nothing has to be. Right. Right? It doesn't have to be perfectly fine-tuned in these these mind-blowing, incalculable ways and exist. It doesn't need to exist. Mm. The, the greater consequence is nothing. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, why is that not the thing? If we're going to say the probabilities are, you know, like at this point, when you're looking at the, the exponential... Uh, numbers, it's just, it's literally not something that can be calculated. Yeah. Numbers just don't exist to this end. Mm-hmm. If we're going to call it infinitely minuscule, the odds that the universe would have formed the way that it did, mm-hmm. and that without some of that fine-tuning, without all of that fine-tuning in place, there would be nothing, then we would have to say the probability of the universe we know is exponentially less than zero. It is not probable and statistically not possible. Mm-hmm. So why why is there something mm-hmm. rather than nothing? Right, right. And so yeah, so the 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 argument for the, the laws of the universe being the way they are out of necessity um, is it kind of falls flat, and and it's actually it's not it's not the most common. Um, mm-hmm 
argument anymore. Right. Um, what What's more common amongst atheists or agnostics is that of chance. So the question is then, is the universe the way that it is because we're just very, 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 very lucky? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Well, okay, so the chances of the universe being this way, fit for life, as we've already said, are so ridiculously tiny that people have actually opted for a new explanation. Right. Because they've recognized all that we've said thus far, mm-hmm. right? That like things have to be so precise. Right. That if have... we were going to do this as an experiment, mm-hmm. we would say it's not possible. Yeah, we don't have enough time right. to just, rec- just recreate this over and over and over and over and over again um, in order to, to, to create, to, to recreate this in, in a, even in a simulation. Um, so what that's, what that's brought to the fore is, um, the theory of the multiverse. Was this the sixties or the seventies that I'm, I'm stuck on this time magazine. I couldn't tell you. Time magazine does a cover with chimpanzees sitting at typewriters because the multiverse argument said, if you gave enough chimpanzees, enough typewriters, and set them down for a significant period of time, eventually one of them would perfectly create Hamlet without any typos, (laughs) just by random chance of slapping the keyboard. And that that was the statement that Time Magazine ran with and said, you see, chance and time are enough, which is... Which is, you, you know what it is like to use the technical term? It's silly. Right, right. Because who would ever expect to, who would ever say, I want my life's work to be examining those pages coming out of those typewriters because I want to be the one who discovers <laughs> the chimpanzee who, without any training, just through random slapping, reproduced Hamlet right. without any errors. Right. And, and so what what the kind of the atheistic naturalistic uh, worldview what, what they've done already which we've already seen is is continually increase the amount of time mm-hmm. for all of this to happen right the universe was six billion years old when I was in school in the 90s and early 2000s it's now 13.8 billion or something like that right and that that could that could change. Right, so it's one of one of the one of the ways of kind of explaining how everything that is could be here is by by continuing move continually moving the goalposts of the amount of time. But what the multiverse theory does is it exponentially moves the goalposts in the area of chance to say that well, there could be an there are in fact an infinite number of universes. Mm-hmm. So so. Everything is potentially possible, and we we I think we we touched on this briefly in an earlier episode, but it bears kind of repeating again this idea that like there there is a universe in which like this world exists, except you know like I don't know the sky is orange right instead of blue because it's just an infinite number of universes. So right. if we just add infinity to the equation, we just added this infinite infinite possibility then certainly everything that could happen would happen and will be and so it's not so surprising that we're here because everything that could possibly ever be is because there's an infinite number of universes right a couple of couple of thoughts on that Mm -hmm. right what does it mean to believe in a multiverse i i have a friend i I think i've even mentioned on the podcast before 
Uh, one of my associate pastors when I was in Toronto, Dave, shout out to Dave who doesn't know that this exists, uh, had a friend who shared a picture on Facebook of some clothes that were perfectly folded and in the dryer. And it said, in a world of infinite possibilities, it is reasonably, uh, it, it is possible that I could open my dryer and find this, right? The guy was like super excited. Like, can you believe this? Like, this is just mind boggling the world, of, uh, universe of infinite possibilities. And, and Dave had to explain to him like in a private message, I think they're mocking the concept of the world of infinite possibilities because no one would ever, no one has ever opened their dryer. Maybe you've opened it disappointed that they the clothes weren't folded. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but no one, like, have you ever opened it in, in one of your, have you ever opened it and your socks were paired? <laughs> right? The more likely situation is one of them is missing. <laughs> right? These, these things aren't expectations because the probability is infinitely small. And so the multiverse says everything is possible. And the problem is, there just has to be so much time and, and so much space. Like you consider the size yeah. of the universe and an right. ever expanding universe. And so what's outside of that is an infinite number of more universes. Hmm. Like we're, we're talking like we're to say we're reaching and use the term in a physical state. We are really, really reaching because a world of infinite possibilities or, or universes expressing infinite possibilities has to take into account every possible cause and effect. Right. Right? So that would mean there's the possibility of a universe exactly like this one, except the one change is you chose to wear a different shirt today than you actually chose to wear. Everything else is going to be the same, except mm -hmm. for the fallout of that choice. Right. Right? Right. That has to exist. There has to be a universe somewhere where things are exactly as they are, but maybe offset by one second. <laughs> Right. right? And, and so to say like, no, there's, we're talking like more cataclysmic things. Everything that we have operates off of cause and effect. Right. Right. And so, so that you chose to drive to work, the speed that you drove can be adjusted and possibly have an effect. Mm -hmm. Right. A, a car accident, anything like that that could have happened along the way, being, being late, making someone else late, the butterfly effect. Sure. Right. All of these ripple effects have to be considered. So not only is it every fine-tuning measure of the universe has to exist, mm -hmm. but every possibility within that fine-tuned universe have to exist. Just allow your mind to go berserk with this, yeah. right? Just the, the yeah. day that it snows or the amount that it snowed, the number of snowflakes that fell reduced by one, mm -hmm. all of these things have to exist in this in this concept, mm -hmm. in order for it to be true. And it's just so ridiculously far-reaching. Mm -hmm. Yet, my greater pushback would be this. If this is true, and this goes back a little bit to the ontological, or is it the teleological? Anyway, if it is true that we have to accept a universe of infinite possibilities, inside of that, one universe at least, has to exist where an outside creative force <laughs> personably brings that universe into, into existence and orders that universe right. for his glory. Right, yeah. And if, that's, if there are an infinite number of universes out there mm -hmm. and we live in that one, 
Christianity still holds true. <laughs> it's still true, right? Yeah. <laughs> because because that can't not be considered, right? Oh, I love it. So I if you it. want to throw out, <laughs> so whenever anyone throws out infinite possibilities, you'd be like, just go with it for a second. Yeah, Even yeah, if yeah. you don't want to, just, just, just do it. Yeah, just yeah. go with it and be like, <laughs> I think it's true. And you know what? I think the one we live in is this one. And when they come out and they're like, that's nonsense, you'd be like, you can't say that it's nonsense because- yeah. How do you know? How do you know? Exactly. Not only how do you know, but- of course, it's possible because infinite possibility. That's right. That's and right. And so, in that case, it's not possible. Yeah. It's likely. Yeah. And and the the other thing too with this whole multiple universes and and infinite universes theory is that the creation of these universes needs to be kind of piped out by some kind of universe generator. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't, it just, and again, once again, it doesn't actually explain origins. It just kicks the can further down the, further back mm-hmm. down the road. And you would need some thing, some force of some kind pumping out these universes that itself would have to be fine tuned to some degree in order to do this. One incredible irony of the supercomputers that are trying to find an algorithm that would express a, a world without the fine tuning that we currently have is that that algorithm is being created by an outside force who lives outside of the algorithm and is producing the algorithm. So even if they did this, even if the computer tomorrow spits out a universe that is capable of having life, but is not like ours, they cannot say, see, it is possible for a universe to exist outside of a creative force because we made one <laughs> using our creative force. Yeah, there is still a mind behind it. If you say there's no mind behind it, then you're just dissing yourself. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the only other option would be to say, like, we just walked up on, I was going for a walk the other day down by the, the river here in beautiful Stratford, and there laying on the sidewalk was the algorithm towards a, an ordered universe that is ordered differently than ours. No one knows where it came from. It was just there. Yeah. And, and it, it's... It just, it's a wonderful glimpse at the futility mm-hmm. of even the effort mm-hmm. of disproving order from creation. People have such, some people have such a strong desire to live without the consequences of their being a creator, a God, a one who made the world with purpose and meaning and truth and all of these things. They're so determined to find that they'll go to any length and, and, mm-hmm. and at times check their brains at the door. And so, yeah, I was going to say, sometimes, sometimes it's not even about like a nefarious thing. Sometimes it's just like people are just blind. Wow. They've just, they've been caught in it so long That's biblical, that yeah. they're just blinded by it and yeah. their, their eyes just can't see the futility of what it is that they're going about. Mm-hmm. But when you back up and look at it, my goodness, the futility yeah. of creating a universe model without a creator. Yeah. It's it's self-defeating as a principle. Yeah. The only thing you can do is prove yourself wrong. Yeah. One way, no matter, in fact, <laughs> so I'm just going to riff on this one more time because this just popped in my head. In fact, no matter how the experiment ends, you've proven yourself wrong. Mm-hmm. If you fail to create the model, you've proven yourself wrong. If you create the model, you've proven yourself wrong. Yeah. 
because the awesome. mind is still behind it. Awesome. Yeah. That'll so, make you want to get up and go to work in the morning. So, <laughs> so the only the only real the only real option left behind this argument of necessity, which does just doesn't doesn't line up, this argument of chance, which chance can just not explain our universe because it defies the laws of chance. Um, the only option left is design. D- that design is the best explanation for the fine tuning of the universe, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a guy by the name of Fred Hoyle who is an agnostic um, astrophysicist uh, from Cambridge University, so nothing to nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually coined the term Big Bang. So this is this is this guy's He's that guy. He's that guy. Okay, he said a common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect. Uh, monkeyed with physics is the expression he uses and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature the numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question so while he's listed as an agnostic at the very least he seems to be a theist of some of some kind yeah, or, so, a, or a proponent of intelligent design because for him, he's looked at the data so long, he's like, I, I just can't, I can't come to any other conclusion, but somebody did something to make sure that all of this lined up. Yeah, if we were going to do a deep psych, psychiatric evaluation on this guy, which I'm not qualified for, but I'm going to do it anyway, um, you wonder if the evidence is there so profoundly so, yet the cost socially his entire world is wrapped up his in career for his sure career right like there, yeah. there's so much cost yeah. is that the hesitancy right i, I wonder the same thing about mm-hmm. from time to time jordan peterson mm-hmm. right who's who also kind of does these things where he just lays out and he's like this can only be the truth but then he hesitates mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um i pray to god that he has a c.s lewis moment yeah an Augustine moment, right? These guys who were in these same places that just eventually crumbled by the way to the Holy Spirit and say, you've opened my eyes and Mm -hmm. surrender and worship, not just in acknowledgement. The other thing that I would say about his point, uh, well, two more things. One, Big Bang's a cool word, but in the vacuum of space, there's no sound. Bang is an onomatopoeia. It implies sound. Um so there's there's my physics contribution. Big is a relative term, right? <laughs> I don't think you could call it anything other than big, but well, but, yeah. yeah. Compared to what? <laughs> the other thing is there is there's a notion inside of it that's the preexistence of physics, mm. right? Which are laws of matter, and so uh, even even in his creative, even in his argument for a creative design, there is still an a naturalistic insistence. Mm-hmm. There has to exist uh, at at minimum mass energy. That is the the matter and energy that come together to form the building blocks of of the universe. Mm-hmm. So he at minimum presumes mass energy, and then the create the manipulation that expresses the laws of the quantum mechanic that we we witness in the universe. But that pre existent state of the naturalistic form sort of it, it plays one more time down from the creative thing mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. because in his model there's not an outside creator mm-hmm. there's an outside manipulator right 
which still asks for an origin story. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where I still Tweaking come in. the dials, so to speak. Right. Just so, so that everything right, but, would come out but the way. But where did the dials come from? I know. I know. Right? Dude, I know. And so, and so that's, where, that's where I plant my flag. Why is there something instead of nothing? Mm-hmm. You have to give me a genuine origin story. Mm-hmm. And until you answer that question, <laughs> oh, man. I almost went political and that would have been the end of the show <laughs> until you answer that question. Like this is, this is the question that is just squirted, uh, skirted like the most skillful of politicians. Mm-hmm. Those people who are just like, you look them cold face, you ask the question and they start giving you a recipe for, you know, mac and cheese. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like whatever comes to their mind, just to not answer the question. Right. That's the question. Where is the origin Mm-hmm. the beginning of all things and how how can that even conceivably exist within your model mm-hmm. the closest that he'll get is that the origin isn't the origin but even with that there has to be outside manipulation yeah, yeah. i think so we've talked about some pretty some pretty um intense things and and some people hopefully haven't been kind of left in the dust or left reeling. It's, no, it's our, a, our listeners are brilliant. Our <laughs> listeners are listing five things that we missed right now. <laughs> but I want to leave, leave people with just an analogy. Um, and this is borrowed somewhat from uh, Sean McDowell, who is a an apolo- Christian apologist. But I, I want to just kind of um, lay this out because this is the kind of thing that hopefully people can wrap their minds around and might be a good kind of conversation piece. That is an, an, al- an analogy of, of how our universe is is ordered. So suppose that you're walking through um, the wilderness, through the woods. You know, you take a, you you drive as far as you can, then you hop on a plane up into, you know, northern Canada, and you walk through these woods where there's no sign of life, and then all of a sudden, you come across a cabin, and and you, you, you go into the cabin, and um, you notice that there's slippers there waiting for you, that are just the right size. Mm-hmm. Your favorite song is playing on the radio. That all your favorite snacks are in the cupboard. Your all hot the, chocolate is warm. Your hot chocolate just the right is warm, temperature, just not the too right, hot, not too not too hot, not too cold. Very Goldilocks, right? You've got all your your favorite movies in the in a, in a case. You've got you know you've got all of the various things. Can we, can we have a guitar in the corner? Of course, you can have a guitar. Yes. Yeah, and. Uh, all of these things that are just so specifically designed for you. You're like, this is, I've never been here before, but this is my house. Mm -hmm. Like this is for me. Someone made this for me. The, the specificity that would be involved in that kind of thing happening is nothing compared to the fine tuning of the universe. Yeah. To the fine tuning of the universe that allows not only for life to exist, but for human life to exist and to thrive the way that it does. So that cabin in the woods analogy, hopefully that's that's helpful for people. But to, to tie it back to the Bible, like the like we know from scripture, and we shouldn't be surprised that that scientific research is going to point to a creator and be consistent with the themes we see in scripture. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Yeah, in, in the in the world of biblical counseling, one of the things that they talk about regularly is to say the lost have the capacity to make keen observation. Mm. Right, science is keen observation. 
I think that the church should spend more time celebrating the advances of science mm-hmm. and the observation what God has gifted the human brain to do. Mm-hmm. Where that shift takes place is what is done in the interpretation. That is a worldview, right? Mm-hmm. This is the observation. What might that mean, mm-hmm. right? And that's where we diverge. Yep. So to, to get really into the scientific study and everything— Man, I, I can get as excited about that as anyone. It's going to diverge when they're like, and this means, I'm going to go, yeah, probably not. Mm. Right? Uh, because I believe that it means something different. And to be honest with you, I think the deeper science goes, the more science affirms the Christian worldview. It does. Right? So we've said from the beginning, the number one thing that you can do in apologetics is to secure your own faith. Mm-hmm. To fortify and secure your own faith. Order number one of apologetics is to secure the faith of the believer. This is the biggest one for me. Mm-hmm. This that there's some that it there is something rather than nothing, that it is ordered, that it is in place. When I'm just even having a bad day, just reflect in on this. The control, the order of God mm-hmm. over all things, including the things going on in my life, yeah, which are nothing compared to the mathematical necessity that he is operating for this universe. Right. Right. Secondly, we've said that the secondary point is convincing others, but most people don't want to think about these kinds of things, the greater issues of life at a philosophical level. This is where I would say this sort of thing might be the exception. Make them think. Mm-hmm. If you want to throw things, if you want to present something to someone and say, hey, I want to use apologetics to try to reach this person, you can start opening the door to some of this. Like, you may not want to just be like, hey, go listen to this podcast or, or just throw, throw wild numbers out there while you're having a picnic, right? There are ways to tiptoe into these things. Mm-hmm. But causing people to, to just think and in some ways, like if they're willing to parrot back some of the things that they've heard and to challenge them on that, with it be like, you really think it's possible? Like that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. You bump into a guy buying a lottery ticket, be like, hey, what are the odds of winning? Speaking of odds, let's talk about the odds of an ordered universe, <laughs> right? There are ways to tiptoe into this, but make people think, mm-hmm. break them out of that apathy, cause them to think, mm-hmm. and the worst case scenario they're bugged by you and they're like forget it i'm not going to do it best case scenario they start asking really powerful questions and this tool that the world is using to try to distract us from god should i think most most honestly point them to god amen thanks for listening this podcast is a resource of memorial baptist church in stratford ontario in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Take care.